It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, coming to you live from Pechanga Arena in San Diego. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here. You there. Jared Justice is on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get you ready for well, it's going to be a run of four games in a row against the San Diego Gulls. Uh, and because of that, because of uh, the proximity of the two teams in the standings and the the uh, consistency with which they'll see each other this week, this makes for a pretty significant week, a pretty big week uh, for both of these teams. Now, just to give you an idea of where these two teams stand, the Silver Knights are in sixth in the Pacific Division. The San Diego Gulls are in seventh. They have both played an equal number of games, and the San Diego Gulls are eight points behind the Silver Knights. That's a good cushion for the Silver Knights, of course. Uh, but if uh, you know, with four games consecutively, that that uh, gap has the potential to shrink or grow. And the Gulls have won all three meetings between these two teams so far this season. So Silver Knights will look to get right against San Diego and do so in what is one of the tougher buildings to play in in the American Hockey League. Always a raucous and rowdy atmosphere as it was when these two teams met back uh, in November, the first meeting between the two teams uh, this season, which uh, at that time was one of the uh, more lopsided losses that the Silver Knights had suffered uh, in their two or season and a half uh, franchise history, uh, as that was a just run back and uh, I'd hate to lie to you. Let me make sure I get the numbers right. It was a 6-3 loss to the San Diego Gulls, but a 6-3 loss in which the San Diego Gulls took a uh, a four nothing lead in the first period. So that was a uh, the the first game the Silver Knights had played here, and they and they learned that this is a, a tough year to play in. So we'll see how the Silver Knights uh, can respond on Wednesday and Friday in this building. Then the two teams will go back to the Orleans Arena on Saturday, which will be a quick turnaround for both teams as they bust overnight and get uh, try to get right for Saturday night. And then we'll be back here again next Tuesday uh, as that game is a rescheduled contest from the December game that was canceled due to COVID. So, uh, so it's going to be a heck of a week, a crazy week. And we're going to get you set for it. We're also going to talk in the next segment with Fred Brathwaite, the goaltending coach for the Henderson Silver Knights. He'll We'll talk goaltending. We'll talk the, both the position and the individuals who the Silver Knights have had between the pipes this season, Logan Thompson, Yuri Patera, Dylan Ferguson, uh, and uh, and just get to, to chat a little bit more with Freddie because we, we don't get to hear from Fred Brownthwaite that often, so that should be fun. And then Ben Wilson, the new broadcast voice of the Vegas Nighthawks of the Indoor Football League, he will join us in our final segment as they are just a few days away uh, Friday night will be the opener, the 18th, uh, for the Vegas Nighthawks as they take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers. So we'll get the perspective from uh, outside of Mike Davis, who we spoke to last week. The, the From a research perspective, the guy who probably knows the team best. Uh, and we'll, we'll get better acquainted with Ben Wilson. So that should be fun as well. For the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, they're feeling much, much, much better about themselves after a 6-1 victory on Sunday in Des Moines over the Iowa Wild, a game that was dominated by the Silver Knights from beginning to end. And for the Silver Knights, I mean, we, we've talked about this. They had to they had to get off a schneid. They're 0-5-1 in their last six. They, they needed uh, not only to get a win, but, but also to get rewarded for the things that they were doing right. They were doing so much right over the course of this road trip uh, and had nothing to show for it. They had one point to show for it for the first three games, despite out-shooting their opponents, be, uh, despite uh, winning much of the possession battle. But for the Silver Knights, they weren't able 
to finish. They were. It, it was a, certainly a matter of goal scoring, and you're waiting for that dam to break. Well, it finally did on Sunday. But for the Silver Knights, you know, you almost got a sense of from uh, the the body language perspective that they said enough is enough. Enough with losing, enough with the frustration, enough with disappointment. Let's just put our foot down and, and take a game. Uh, and they did just that. So for the Silver Knights, a lot to be happy about on Sunday. Now it'll just be a matter of can they carry it forward? Is it a standalone instance, or is it is it them finally breaking through? We talked about that subject and others after the game on Sunday in Des Moines when we caught up with head coach Manny Viveros, and here's what he had to say. With head coach Manny Viveros, uh, coach, you guys get back in the win column this afternoon against Iowa. It felt like a game where you guys finally got rewarded for a lot of the good things you've been doing for the last few games. How did it feel for you guys? No, certainly, Brad. I thought, uh, you know, again, it was uh, kind of a continuation of how we played last night. And, you know, we got off to a really good start tonight, which has been, been uh, you know, important for our group over the last little slide that we had. We seemed to always play catch up. And, uh, you know, I just thought the guys, uh, you know, we were – like not to say we weren't focused before, but there was a, a real burning desire that we wanted to end uh, this bit of a losing streak we were on here. So um, very happy the way guys responded and the way they played for 60 minutes. For you guys, not, not only do you score basically a minute into the game, but then you kept the pedal down to the floor. Did you almost get a sense from the players too, maybe in some of the veterans that enough was enough, it was time to fix things now? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, you know, over the last uh, yesterday and today, the main theme of our game was urgency. We need to, uh, you know, to have that in our game um, and for for 60 minutes. And, you know, uh, we got out to lead and it was a physical game too. And I, I like the way we stepped up in that department also too. Our guys uh, were there for each other and defended each other on the ice. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, through this streak here, um, I've said this before, you're going to learn a lot about your team. And, and a lot of times these type of situations will bring you even closer together. And if you stick with your, your play the game the right way, you're going to get out of it. And you know, we certainly did tonight and, uh, and we're going to build on it and uh, head, on, head on to San Diego. How important was the major penalty kill for you guys in the second period? Not just the fact it was successful, but it, there was something matter of fact about it. Business like the way you guys handled it. Well, the way the way it happened, you know, the guys, you know, uh, Jermaine, he got a five-minute penalty and, uh, on a check, and then uh, just the guys dug in and they said, "No, we're going to kill this for him." And uh, uh, our guys, again, that intensity and that urgency was certainly there for that five minutes, and it was just kind of a, um, you know, kind of a carbon copy of how we played the whole game today. And uh, you know, during that whole time here, you didn't feel like we had they even had a chance to score. That was, that was really. Ben Jones came into this season with nine goals. He now has 18 this season. What has he added this this season, not just in terms of the numbers, but also the, the finishing touch to make that happen? Well, I just think that the work that Ben put in in the summertime and, and coming to camp and, and uh, had to work on some areas in his game. And, and uh, he certainly put the work in the summer. He certainly could see it. And uh, Ben does have a really good uh, wrist shot. And when he gets the opportunity to, to shoot that puck, he's, he's really effective. And But also, having said that, too, um, a lot of those goals, uh, you know, being around the net is a big part of his game also, too. And uh, that's something that... Uh, uh, we've been trying to enforce with him, and he's been, you know, accepting it, and and he's, you know, it's paying off for him. So, but he's been he's been for us uh, really good this year. And that was head coach Maeve Everos, and and uh, again for Ben Jones, it was a two goal game in Des Moines, and and he has just had just a such a surge uh, in his offensive game this season. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail uh, later on in the program, but a, a great outing for. 
uh, Ben Jones. Derek Pouliot continues to put up points, and even during this struggle for the Silver uh, Silver Knights as a team, uh, Derek Pouliot's been finding, I would say, his, his offensive touch in the sense that he's getting pucks, doing what really Daniil Miramanov did such a good job of the first half of the season before he started getting called up more frequently and was in and out of the lineup a little bit more, just getting pucks to the front, getting past that first shot blocker, that first wave to get the puck into that second tier where even if a shot is blocked, it's going to get blocked in a dangerous area. It's going to skip to the front of the net. It's going to catch someone out of position. That's what Maeve Ivaro's talked about uh, at the start of the weekend in Iowa. He said it's not just about getting shots. Yeah, we're getting shots, route shooting our opponents, but that can be deceptive. It's about the quality of the chances and the success rate you have in pursuing pucks after the fact, in getting to rebounds, in redirects. Uh, it, it's not just getting the initial shot. You need to get the secondary opportunity that emanates from it because most teams in this league are going to be so steady defensively that if you're, you're not going to pass the puck through them. You're not going to do something so creative and mind-bending with your puck moving around the offensive zone that you're going to spin the defense into the ground. No, where you're going to get them out of position is when there's chaos and, and rebounds and, and pucks put in random patterns towards the net that create reactionary movement, that create breakdowns from that element. Uh, and that's something that the Silver Knights did such a good job of uh, on Sunday in Iowa. And, and Maeve Ivaros said also from a defensive perspective, the Silver Knights gave up nothing, even when they were shorthanded for five minutes on the boarding call against Jermaine Lowe, and the Silver Knights gave up practically nothing. So a really good game for the Silver Knights. Again, they've been playing well for a few games and not getting rewarded for it. Sunday was a better outing than the three previous uh, and for the Silver Knights, you hope that they've burst through and, and turned a corner. Now, things are not going to be any easier for the Silver Knights here in San Diego as the uh, the health ramifications for the VGK have uh, kind of d drained a little more talent from the HSK side, but that's the point of an AHL team. Braden Pahal and Paul Cotter both called up to the VGK yesterday, and it looks like from the chatter you see around the team this morning, uh, it's very likely, if not a certainty, that Braden Pahal is going to make his NHL debut tonight. The captain of the Silver Knights getting his first NHL action. So, of course, we'll be tuned into that as well as the Golden Knights take on the Winnipeg Jets to wrap up their road trip in a game that, uh, like the Silver Knights got the Schneid on Sunday, uh, the Golden Knights could use that kind of puck luck as well. We're going to hop out. When we come back, we'll be joined by Henderson Silver Knights goaltending coach, Mr. Fred Brathway, to talk about the HSK between the pipes and a little-known fact, you know, Fred Brathwaite's career for hockey in Vegas almost started uh, long before last year. We'll discuss on the other side. Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Silver Knights. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more... HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you from San Diego where the Silver Knights will play three of their next four starting on Wednesday night. Right now we're joined by Silver Knights goaltending coach Mr. Fred Brathwaite. And Fred, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on here, BMAC. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a unique year for the entire coaching staff and, and yourself included. Usually your position, your your preference, I think, is to watch the game from up above, but because of the, the circumstances for Coach Viveros earlier this year, you've actually had significant time on the bench this season. What has the, uh, the, the coaching journey been like uh, for you and, and the rest of the staff for the first uh, three quarters of the season? 
Yeah, you know, um, as you said, usually I'm usually sitting up top watching the goalies and kind of watching the game that way from up top. And um, unfortunate thing happened with Manny, and which got myself on the bench, which which was interesting. Um, it just gave me another different watch the game and watch my goalies. And uh, you know, I, I thought we did a pretty good job. Obviously, we missed Manny on the bench, but uh, and it's nice to have him back. But for myself, it was. It was good to get out there and see the ice from a different level and then be able to uh, be able to watch the game that way. And compliments for the staff because, again, so much of it was about being flexible and, and adjusting on the fly and, and, and stepping up even in some extent. There was a game on, on New Year's Eve. Jamie Heward wasn't available either. It was just you and Joel Ward on the bench, and you guys still pulled out a win. And, and talking to, to Joel and you, I know that was a, a night that was fairly significant for both of you. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it was the first time, but it was, it was First time that I could remember that uh, there were two black coaches coaching the team at, at the AHL level, and um, obviously that was a special moment for Joel and I. But yeah, as you said, uh, I mean, we've had some things thrown at us this year, and uh, it gave a chance for Joel to be the head coach for one game, and for for me to kind of be a associate coach with him. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, it, it's been a funny year. Obviously, COVID has made things a little bit difficult for us, but. With the staff that we have, um, we've been able to uh, be able to adjust and, and try to keep it normal for the players and not too much uh, disturbance. Well, good for you, and of course, great that Manny is back and healthy, and everyone's back to, to a little bit more of their traditional roles. And, and with that, of course, your your focus on the goaltenders. What is the relationship like for a goaltending coach with uh, his his battery? Because it's a little, it's, it's a smaller core group it's it's different instruction i would imagine it might be a different relationship with with the goaltenders than you know perhaps a head coach has with with 20 guys yeah i mean with the goalie coach uh, as you said you usually only have two maybe three in our circumstance we probably had four at one point but um you know just kind of having their back just kind of having another for them or another year for them to talk to and um i think the nice thing about the, the goalie coach as you said there's only a couple of us, so we kind of have each other's backs there, and um, I'm just trying to support them as much as possible and be their friends, but also let them know when, when we could do some corrections. And I think we've we've built that relationship with all the goalies that um, a little criticism, it's okay for them to get hear that from me because they know that uh, I support them and I'm just trying to get them better. With Fred Brathwaite, who had a long NHL career in Edmonton, Calgary, St. Louis, you, you've played so much NHL hockey, but also you played in the minor leagues. Also, you played in, in Europe, uh, in Germany, and in Russia. I, I wonder, especially because your job brings in that, that development aspect and you're dealing with young kids from all over, how your background playing and coaching both North America and Europe uh, helps you when you're relating to young guys who are trying to figure things out. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, probably the nice thing is, is as you said, I, I was able to play uh, in North America. I was played over in Russia. I played in Germany. Uh, I worked for Team Canada. So I was able to see a lot of different styles, work with different people. Um, and I, I think that's helped me be a better coach and a better person as well. And uh, hopefully I could give some of the, my knowledge from wherever that is that I could help that with these guys, and not just being goaltenders, but just even better people. Speaking of all the stops you had in your career, I, I, you told me this, and I'd never heard this before, but apparently your career of, of your hockey career in Vegas 
almost started long before last season with the Henderson Silver Knights, and, and more than once, you almost played in Vegas at a couple of points. Yeah. Um, right when I first came out of junior, I, I remember signing my first contract with the Las Vegas Thunder. And um, so, yeah, I ended up signing with them and then getting a, a tryout with the Edmonton Oilers as a 20-year-old. And lucky enough, I, I ended up making the team in, in Edmonton and playing there for three years. And then after three years there, I actually signed again with the Thunder again. I uh, was in Vegas for training camp, spent some time here. I probably was here for a couple of weeks and then ended up getting traded to the Manitoba Moose, which was their first year uh, in the league. And uh, they're actually still going as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, pretty fortunate to come through Vegas a couple of times. And hopefully this is the last time and I get to stay here a lot longer. So again, it was it was such a, a brief instance. But is there a, a Las Vegas Thunder poster? It, does does anyone have any Freddie Brathwaite Vegas Thunder autograph paraphernalia? Is there anything out there that we could find? I, <laughs> you know, I, I would probably say no, but I'd be very. I, you know what? It'd be good to see. It. Hopefully, someone could bring it in. And I could see if I could still sign my name back then. <laughs> There you go. So there you go. Vegas, you now have a scavenger hunt on your hands. See what you can track down. We're talking to Fred Brathwaite. Uh, and, Fred, something I always wonder, when we hear play, uh, people talk about prospects, young players, you know, players are drafted, and then after a couple of years there's there's an eagerness to, to see if they can make it up to the NHL level. But with goaltenders, they're always preaching the importance of patience, and sometimes 24, 25 years old before a goaltender is, is ready. What is it about the position that requires more seasoning uh, for a young goaltender? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the probably the biggest factor is there's only two of them. And, mm. I mean, in your system, you obviously, you have your two main guys in the NHL and then two in the AHL, and then you might have one or two in the East Coast. So um, what I, I believe in, it, it, it is a process. Um, I think guys got to get their games in and, and learn the pro game um, coming from junior or coming from college. It's a little bit different. The grind's a little bit different. Um and just, I mean, now they're living by themselves. So I think goalies, it takes a little while for them to to be more mature. And then, as I said, getting those games in there and um, and just learning the game and, and just realizing what they need to get better. Is there also a significant, I'm sure there is, but I guess to what degree is there a significant jump in the quality of shots they're facing from ECHL to AHL, AHL to NHL, like that's got to be part of the, the learning curve too. That after after uh, Jack Eichel shoots on you, you realize, oh, I never knew I was leaving that corner open before. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I, I don't want to uh, be down on the guys in the East Coast, but in the East Coast, you probably have one or two good goal scorers, and now those best players are now in the AHL, and now you have maybe ten good shooters. And then now you get up to the NHL, everyone can shoot the puck. You can't you can't leave too much open for them because no matter who it is, everyone can shoot the puck really well. And obviously the pace of the game, um, it, it's a lot faster game. The guys move the pucks a lot quicker. They shoot quicker. Um, it's just more of a, a tense game. But the higher level you get, the more um, where guys are supposed to be. And it's more controlled. So it's almost easier, but at the same point it's a little bit harder with the way they shoot and the speed of the game. Talk with Fred Brathwaite. As a, as a goaltending coach, when we talk to 
other positional coaches, you know, you talk about a young player who's trying to round out his game, you might hear, yeah, he's got great scoring ability, but we need to work on his defensive game. Sure, he's a, he's a great defenseman with the puck, but we have to work on his skating. There's something to work on. Commonly for, for goaltenders, is there a, a certain element of the game that more often than not needs polishing for a young goaltender when they're trying to work their way up? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a couple things. Just trying to be consistent in your in your game, um, and when and when I say that, if we shot ten pucks at you, obviously you're not going to stop them the same way every time. But at least you have an idea of what they're going to do, and and obviously re- rebound control, skating, skating is a very big part of it. Um, I mean, these goalies now they got to be good skaters. They got to be able to get around the net, move around the net, have good edges. And then as well as just catching the puck. I mean, I, I think that's almost a lost art. I think uh, the young kids now don't catch the puck as well as they used to. Hmm. And I think that's something they got to keep on working on is catching the puck and controlling controlling the puck when you can, stopping it by just catching it and not getting those extra shots. Talking to Fred Brathwaite. Talking to Fred Brathwaite. Uh, Logan Thompson has been up with the VGK a couple of times. He uh, got another start the other night uh, against the Columbus. Jackets. What what has been uh, key for him in what has really been a pretty pretty quick rise from two years ago being an ECHL full time starter, really for the first time, to goaltender of the year last year, and now getting getting consistent uh, calls to to the VGK. What, why has he been able to to come along as quickly as he has? Uh, well, I think it starts off with the amount of games he's playing. He's getting a lot of games in there right now, but um, you know what? He, he's a hard worker. He gets on the ice. He doesn't want anyone to score on him. Um, he's got himself in better shape, and he's a lot, he's a lot more mature as well. So, um, I mean, he's kind of seen that that's where he wants to be. He had a little taste of it last year, and he realizes that that's where he wants to be. And now he's putting in – not now, but he's put in the time. Um, and now he's just keep, he's still working hard. Obviously, he's not there. He'd like to be a full-time goalie there, and that's something hopefully I can help him with. And just trying to keep him consistent, make sure he's putting in the hours at the rink, in the rink and off the ice as well. And uh, hopefully in the next year or two, he'll be a, a consistent goalie up at that next level. I think fans have been really encouraged with what they've seen from Yuri Patera this season. Last year, injured and acclimating to the North American game. And this year, from from my perspective with Yuri Patera, we've seen not only good play, but also a little bit of, of swagger as he comes along. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think Yuri Yuri's kind of had it tough the last couple of years, um, with the way COVID has been, kind of finishing his season early in Brandon, and then last year was hurt at the beginning, really didn't get to play too much. Um, I think probably the best thing for him this year was going down to the East Coast and, and playing a bunch of games, and now he's called up right now and, and he's played well. He's uh, he's as you said, he's got a bit of a swagger to him, and I think he looks a lot more comfortable in the net than he did last year. And actually with Ferguson as well. I mean, Fergie last year didn't play a lot, ended up going to the East Coast and ended up winning the Kelly Cup down there and uh, has worked hard this summer. And they're both getting a chance to play, which is awesome because of uh, Logan being up. And they're, as I said, they're just been working hard and they're just trying to get better every day and get to that next level as well. With Freddie Brathwaite. Fred, I know we got to let you go in a minute, so I, I got to get this question in because I, I trust you and I'm curious. Uh, you have probably the most uh, experience in the music industry on the team because you appeared in a music video once. <laughs> I think it was a Nelly. It was a Nelly video. Is that right? When you were in St. Louis? Uh, well, it was Jermaine Dupuy, 
but it was uh, it was a welcome to Atlanta remix, and I was with Nelly and the St. Lunatics out of St. Louis. <laughs> well, there you, and and fans, if you want to, you could probably find that on YouTube. But the reason I bring it up, aside from just so that you could talk about it, but uh, I recently, for the first time, became aware of Peter Dilibatory rap music. Apparently, he sings. I've seen he's he's referred to as Big Tone. Uh, I don't know if you've heard any of his material. I'm just curious if you think it's any good or not. Yeah, you know, I actually just heard it the other day for the first time. Um, it, it wasn't too bad. It could be better, but it wasn't too bad. Um, you know what? He, he's trying, and that's all we could ask for. There you go. He, <laughs> you're not automatically going to be in his music video if he asks. He's got a little more work to do. Well, <laughs> yes, we'll have to work on that. We'll have to work on that first. I got to get my name thrown in the music in the in his uh, songs first before I jump into the videos. And and now we will spend the rest of the week trying to come up with rhymes for Brathwaite. That's that's a new project for the <laughs> for all of us. Freddie, thank you so much for the time today. We appreciate it, and uh, good luck this weekend against San Diego. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. That is Fred Brathwaite, goaltending coach for the Henderson Silver Knights, and uh, also does so much development work with uh, goaltending prospects throughout the organization and. Uh, uh, a, f- a fascinating guy, and I knew 15 minutes wasn't going to be enough, but it was great to get him on. And uh, I'll tell you, he is one of the best people. If you ever find yourself in the uh, in in the position that you recognize Fred Brathwaite at the airport, uh, most of the time when we have a layover, we're stuck. I, I'm I'm sitting talking to Fred Brathwaite, and the the stories that he has uh, just tremendous. So uh, really great to have Fred Brathwaite on the program. As the Henderson Silver Knights get ready for two games this weekend, uh, I say this weekend, this week, uh, and four games between tomorrow and Tuesday against the San Diego Gulls. Eight points separate the two teams in the Pacific Division standings. And the Gulls uh, have won all three games against Henderson so far this season. So there, there's work for the Silver Knights to do, uh, but coming off a really, really solid and complete outing against the Iowa Wild on Sunday that gives them a lot to feel good about. And, you know, in that uh, barrage of offense on Sunday, and we talked about it in a little bit of detail, uh, Ben Jones had himself a really, really good afternoon on a Sunday, and, uh, well, he capped off his scoring for the day with this. Rims it around to the near side. Rossi and Hayes collide. Loose puck taken by Berchi. Stretch pass ahead. Here's a two-on-one. Right wing, Marishev across for Jones. He scores! On the two-on-one rush, Marashev fed Jones driving the net. And it looked like Jones had more than one whack at. I'm not sure if the first one or the second swing pushed the puck over the goal line, but it slid between McIntyre's pads. Ben Jones has his second of the afternoon, and it's 4-1 Henderson. And it was a really, really good afternoon, not just for Ben Jones, but for that line, that combination, that trio of Ben Jones, Sven Berchi, and Maxime Marashev. Maxime Marashev had three assists on the day, his first multi-point in the American Hockey League, and ergo his first three-point game in the American Hockey League. But that that trio was really on the same page. We already talked about how Derek Pouliot is doing a really good job of getting his shots through. And again, it's not a matter of, of blasting them through. It's not shooting to score. It's placing the puck in a place where it's going to create problems inside the hash marks or pucks that are deflectable. You know, almost like if you if you make a pass that's too hard, 
and uh, you, you know, on a power play, if I rifle a pass at you and you can't shoot off of it, well, then what good is it? Now, if you get a hard, heavy shot towards the net, that's great. That's perfectly fine for, for redirects. But if you have the time and the relationship, the, the understanding with the forward down low to float it in and put it in an area where he can get almost like batting practice, you know, that's, that's equally dangerous. Uh, and we've seen that where, where Derek Pouliot is uh, here. Let me, let me bury you with seven different sports analogies. Derek Pouliot, like a quarterback who throws a, a back shoulder pass where only his receiver can get it, Derek Pouliot has been putting wrist shots towards the net where only his guy can do something with it, and they've been doing something with it. And that's why Derek Pouliot has 11 points in his last 12 games. But uh, for, for the Silver Knights, they're going to need that depth of scoring because the more players you get called up, your depth isn't your depth anymore, if, if, for argument's sake. If the top two lines get called up, well, guess what? Your third line is now your first line, and you got to ask them to try to, to whatever ability they can, rise to that occasion. Uh, the, the Silver Knights are going to be a little bit thin again now, or at least uh, as things currently stand with Paul Cotter and Braden Pahal called up. It looks like Braden Pahal very well could make his NHL debut tonight, but right now the VGK have... Jonas Rombjörg, Jake LeCision, Daniil Miramanov, Paul Cotter, Braden Pahal, and Logan Thompson. That is a lot of uh, talent that the Silver Knights rely on, and their captain as well in Braden Pahal. So uh, it's going to be for the Silver Knights to dig down deep against the goals, and right now it's a goals team that's missing some uh, significant personnel as well. Uh, Danny O'Regan chief among them, as Danny O'Regan not with the goals at the moment, but... Still a, uh, a San Diego goals team that has Jacob Perot, uh, that has Braden Tracy. Uh, and last time we saw the goals, Braden Tracy was not available due to injury. He has made his way back to the lineup. So uh, although he has not scored uh, in quite some time, he is always dangerous for the uh, the San Diego goals. Braden Tracy and Jacob Perot, both first-round picks and both projected building blocks for this goals organization. And... Uh, Lucas Dostal, who had not only uh, two wins against the Silver Knights a week and a half ago, he also, uh, in the games that followed when the team, when the goals went to Colorado, he scored a goal. So uh, it's it's a complicated goals team that isn't as bad as their seventh place record would indicate, uh, but they've definitely played their best hockey since the uh, the midpoint of February, and that's what the Silver Knights will have to handle at Pechanga Arena starting tomorrow night. Both games this week, fans, let me remind you, uh, because w why are we doing this show on Tuesday, you might be asking yourself. Well, it's because the March Madness uh, broadcast schedule uh, occupies the Thursday slot here on 1230 of the game. It's also going to complicate things on Wednesday and Friday. So we are actually going to be on Fox Sports Las Vegas tomorrow and Friday. So when you go to watch the game, and we'll put these uh, reminders out on the uh, Silver Knight social channels, but for the first time and only time uh, thus far, Wednesday and Friday's games will not be on 1230 of the game. They will not be on this station they will be on Fox Sports Las Vegas, where you ordinarily go to hear Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. So uh, we'll remind you, but you can make a, a mental programming note right now uh, to get yourself in the right headspace. We're going to hop out, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Vegas Nighthawks, Mr. Ben Wilson, who uh, just was introduced to the fan base a couple of days ago. And, well, his schedule is about to get really, really busy in three days when the Nighthawks kick off in their inaugural contest 
against the Northern Arizona Wranglers. We'll get all the details on the other side of the break. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is Brian McCormick? HSK today, Brian McCormick here with you from San Diego, where the Silver Knights will play three of their next four tomorrow, Friday, and Tuesday with a game in Vegas in between. And while the Silver Knights are on the road, the Dollar Loan Center will still be jumping, and it's because another uh, tenant is making their inaugural appearance at the brand-new DLC in Henderson as the Vegas Nighthawks will have their inaugural contest on Friday against the Northern Arizona Wranglers. And ready to bring you all the action is the new voice of the Vegas Nighthawks, Mr. Ben Wilson, and he joins us now. Ben, how are you? Brian, I'm great. I'm first off very jealous that you were in lovely uh, San Diego. where My parents live there. They remind me no fewer than five times a week. That is where they live. So uh, you're, you're living the good life. But, yes, I, I will be here to break in or try to start to break in the uh, the DLC for you. So when, when you guys are ready to, to uh, move uh, move your your over there it'll be all ready for you oh yeah very kind of you i'm going to want a scouting report because uh, i can't wait to get into that building to your point san diego is beautiful it is beautiful today wise and i'm stuck in the arena i should have done this outside that was shame on me but uh if i need recommendations for how to spend st patrick's day in san diego uh, you're the first one i'm going to call uh in the meantime though you are getting ready for game action this week with the nighthawks and uh really uh, the team's been working out for a little bit we talked to mike davis last week but from a distance, it feels like this is a week where it's really starting to pick up. The rubber hitting the road. They have media day at the start of the week. They're practicing inside the Dollar Loan Center now. What's the uh, the, the mood in the last couple of days as you guys get ready for opening night? Right. It is hard to believe with how quickly things have, have come along here. I was talking with a couple of players yesterday who they didn't even get into town until the 1st of March, 1st or 2nd of March. And so I mean, they had their first practice March 3rd. And it's been a super quick turnaround. The IFL season actually started uh, last weekend. So they were already, yeah. uh, the East Division played their games. The West Division had a bye. And I, I get the sense that, uh, you know, for Mike Davis, it's, it's like anything with, you know, when, when you're an expansion team, getting a roster together for the first time as a first-year coach, first-year GM, it is, and for all of us, it's, it's a little bit of a scramble getting ready for up to Friday night. So I think they were very appreciative of having the week one bye, getting everything sorted out. But there's also at the same time the sense of, of the final 25 on the roster, like they're and they're ready to go. It's it's funny you kind of have that that uh, that give and take there where they're got the guys are chomping at the bit. You could you, you could sense that really in the, in the media day um, yesterday, getting to talk to a lot of them and and for many of them after last year was kind of a weird scattered season. There were several players who uh, were part of Louisville's team in the IFL, which basically went out of business mid-season, and they all had to find a different place to play. So there, and given all the COVID restrictions from last year, I get the sense a lot of the players with IFL experience in previous pro football, number of guys from XFL teams from that shortened 2020 season, number of AAF guys from 2019, they're just excited to have like a normal year where they're not having to worry about jumping ship midseason or having a season shut down. And that I think is what's leading Brian into just the general excitement, even if the prep time hasn't been as much as what you normally get. Well, and what sense have you gotten uh, whatever conversations you've been able to have with, with Coach Mike Davis? Because, again, everything about this team is so new, and not just the the organization itself from a, a fan perspective, but 
these were all players that were brought in. It's, it's almost like an expansion mindset. And for Mike Davis, he was playing recruiter-in-chief for the last year. So, you know, he's got his fingerprints, of course, all over this roster. How does he feel about what he's compiled? Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you look from, you know, player 1 to 25, just the mix of, A, guys with the Vegas ties. There, there are players, six different guys who are part of the same UNLV recruiting class. I want to say back in 2016 or 17, who many of whom didn't even you know, see each other over the last five years that are now back in Vegas. So you have that one element of it, which is certainly you're kind of getting the sense from Coach Davis coming in, like you want to have that local appeal for building up a new fan base, but also – with how well-traveled he's been and spending so many years in the CFL at the Toronto Argonauts and with being a manager of player personnel there in Saskatchewan, has a lot of contacts from there. And so between the guys who had, had experience on practice squads in Canada and in the IFL, that's obviously a, a clearly a big area where, where he's leaned on. I mean, there's a number of guys too who have an NFL practice squad experience. They're like, you know, legit uh, D1 players. I mean, a guy, the first guy that kind of jumped off the page to me just, starting to watch them a little bit that I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, KD Cannon, who was, uh, was sort of the guy taking the reins at media day yesterday. <laughs> he, was, he was looking for any microphone that was on. Uh, but he played at Baylor, was a you know, standout for them in the Big 12 a few years ago. He's been on four different practice squads in the NFL, and, and Mike Davis knows him really well. He was on the roster in Saskatchewan when he was there and, uh, and spent 2020 in the XFL before that season was cut short. So that's a great example of a guy who like, has tremendous pedigree playing power five college football, being on a practice squad in the NFL. And he's like, he's a guy, especially in these, you know, these paired down rosters where there's only 21 who will be on the game day roster with four actives. You're going to see a guy like that a lot. I would think this year. Talking with Ben Wilson, the voice of the Nighthawks. You know, I'm glad you had a guy who was looking for any microphone he could, because for you, <laughs> you know, you're trying to learn all these players on the fly and, and they're all trying to, to learn each other. But it, it, for you, from a broadcast perspective, you're trying to tell all these guys stories some of their stories, some of their, their stats and their backgrounds are easier to find than others because of where all these players came from. So I imagine it's, it's a very unique homework assignment for you to get familiarized with all these guys in, in a quick uh, span of time here. No question. And that's, I mean, to me, that's what makes it really fun. And it was what did kind of blow my mind and having been around teams in the, you know, in the past, like it's one thing when you, you call games at the college level and you're working with D1 programs, it's a lot of young kids, they're kind of, you can just sort of tell they're they're not really ready to open up yet to just some random person hanging out with the team. So much <laughs> different, you know. In a case like this, being around around the guys yesterday was you could tell like they they all understand here. You know, being in the IFL, it's potentially a a last chance to showcase their skills. Still looking for that call up, but you know, a chance to go either to the CFL or you know, a chance to get a practice squad opportunity, go to a training camp in the NFL. And like there is a, a true desire, like they want their stories to be told, and a lot of them. It is the yeah, the homework assignment aspect of it, uh, Brian, is interesting because a lot of guys where you can you can kind of chart their football experience up until around 2019, and then for a lot of them there there are gaps. I mean, there's a bunch of guys I talked to, and Jalen Henderson, who's in the running to be the opening day quarterback, he was working as a financial advisor in Boise last year. Not something you can just you know you're not going to be able to find many stats from a guy unless unless some financial office somewhere is keeping stats on sales or something. I don't know. <laughs> makes it really unique, and a lot of these guys, you can you can tell. I mean, they want they want their stories to be told, and that's what uh, that's what's fun for me. It is, yeah. The the tricky part of it is trying to figure out. For some of these guys, there are like two three year gaps from uh, from their playing days, and it is certainly a testament to how they stayed in shape, kept themselves in a position to make a team, and keeping the dream alive. 
Well, I'll tell you, worst case scenario, the good thing is I know from, a, from my side of the coin, from a minor league perspective, you have to be ready to wear a lot of hats, at least for the IFL. It sounds like if, if tax day comes around and we need some extra help, uh, there are players in the locker room who can who can jump all hands on <laughs> yeah. deck. We have that at least. For for you, Ben, I wonder, uh, and I, I've, I looked over it uh, when the team was announced uh, out of curiosity, how much time preparing to call games have you spent pouring over the rule book? Because while there's a lot of parallels to traditional football, there's some curveballs in there. Yeah, no, and look, that that is going to be a, a huge part of it. Uh, the fact that, and I'm somewhat fortunate in the fact that, like, when I grew up, I'm from Wisconsin, so, you know, and when you grow up in Wisconsin in the early 90s, and Brett Favre is like a godlike figure, football is going to be huge. And arena football was very big in Wisconsin. It still is. There's an IFL team in Green Bay that uh, the Nighthawks actually have a road trip to here in a couple of months. So it has at least been helpful for me having somewhat of a background watching those games as a kid. I went to a couple CFL games a few summers ago, and, and they have brought in uh, elements to that, like the Rouge, which, which is a thing for anybody who's ever watched CFL football. The Rouge exists. Uh, in the IFL, but I think, you know, I think the biggest thing that fans will realize right away is just the condensed nature of the field, the fact that it's eight on eight, uh, and, and the fact that, and talking to some of the receivers, because that was the thing I was really interested in, was like, how, you know, how was the acclimation when you're going from either playing CFL with the even wider field, or coming from college or in NFL practice squads, and a lot of them were kind of like, look, it's football, it's, there are some, new, you know, some interesting nuances that takes maybe a week, week and a half to get acclimated just with the spacing. Um, but that's what I'm, I'm very curious to watch, just how the overall pace of the game goes, where hey, there's no punting allowed, which as a fan of uh, going for it at all times, I'm excited for. Uh, but when you bring in some of those unique elements, it has been, yeah, that, that has certainly played a big part of the prep here, um, just getting used to a new, you know, just new intricacies of football. And we're going to have a lot of, you know, fans watching for the, the first time who've never watched an IFL game. And that's certainly a part of what we, you know, our goal is to convey on the broadcast is just to, yeah, by like week six, people are just like, oh, yeah, Rouge, of course. Of course. <laughs> That's kind of the hope, yeah. With Ben Wilson. Ben, it's, uh, it's a new team. It's a new, uh, a new gig for you, but, but also neat for you that uh, while you may be new to this team, you're, you're not new to broadcasting in Vegas, and I'm sure there are a lot of fans that are already familiar with your work. Yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting to, you know, to add a local, a local team just to what I've been doing. I, for doing a lot of network games, you get so used to – you kind of roll into a city, it's random, and you're, you know, team A, it's team B, there's no connection, and people don't really know you, and you just sort of call the game, and you have fun with it, and then you go back home. So to, to now do a game for a local team, and I mean, having lived here you know, for the past several years, and calling some UNLV games, and getting to start to meet people within the community, uh, it is, it's really fun for me to get to be a part of this. You can, I mean, over there yesterday, it sounds like they're already close to a sellout for opening night Friday night. Um, and it, with, with it being this intimate 6,000 seat setting at, at the Dollar Loan Center, you can tell and the atmosphere is going to be electric in there. And it's, it's going to be a lot of the same vibes you get at, the, at T-Mobile with the BGK game or, or at Orleans for which, when you're calling your game, um, even, you know, even in the limited time you've been over there. So that's the exciting part for me to actually you know, to get to meet fans who I know I can then see around town. I'm not just randomly popping into a, into a city for you know, one weekday, weekend or weekday game. Uh, that's a really fun part for me, and it's, it's part of why I was really excited to, uh, to get to step in and, and work with the new team. Well, I'll send, before I leave town here, I'll, I'll take a picture of where I'm standing because that's probably going to be your vantage point for uh, when you guys play the San Diego Strike Force. So I'll give you a, uh, a head start on your mental preparation nice. for that. Uh, ben, for, for fans who aren't going to be there in attendance, uh, where can they watch? Where can they follow along? 
Yeah, we will we will be simulcasting. Uh, so all of our home games will be either uh, televised through the IFL's YouTube channel or on radio. So we're here at uh, 12:30 the game locally uh, in uh, in Las Vegas. We have we do have five home games which are fully televised this year, which is really exciting, uh, in, including the first two. So uh, tonight, or I should say Friday night, will be uh, fully televised. We our five are split between the CW Las Vegas and my LVTV. Uh, Friday night, taking on Northern Arizona. That will be a my LVTV game. And they're actually airing on, on the same station uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, I believe at 9. There's a little documentary, like kind of a hard knock type documentary series they did going behind the scenes, which will be a really cool way, I think, for fans to get a, a first look at the team. And then uh, we hit the air 7 o'clock Friday night, my LVTV, and then at uh, 12.30, the game on radio. Should be a blast. Can't wait to follow along. It's going to be a great season. Ben Wilson, voice of the Nighthawks. Uh, congratulations. Welcome to the Foley Entertainment Group family, and we'll be watching on Friday. Absolutely, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That is Ben Wilson, the new voice of the Vegas Nighthawks. They get ready to kick off on Friday. That's going to wrap up our afternoon here in San Diego on HSK Today. Special thanks to Ben Wilson and to Fred Brathwaite for making the show go. The Silver Knights and San Diego Gulls drop the puck tomorrow night here in San Diego. A game that is scheduled to start at 7 o'clock Pacific will be on Fox Sports Las Vegas on your radio dial. Don't forget. Thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow night in San Diego for Silver Knights Hockey.